0: politicians are the virus yeah man maybe i am dumb you think you're free you think you're free just because you can't see the cage they keep you in fauci jerked off a pangolin and now we all have covid it's us against them guys get out there and spread that love and liberty let's go hey you non-binary freaks welcome to the dad's pants dad presents but hey you can get in these pants if you want because nobody around here seems to want to do so there's just all this fine ass and junk just going to waste in this house and i tell you what i'm not loving that anyway guys please make sure you are following the dad presents on youtube at super bad dad follow on itunes and spotify at the dad presents And we're back on Twitter now with a brand new account because the old account was permanently banned for talking about mectin. And the new account is at dad underscore presents because the old one was banned. Let me adjust that microphone. Hope that sounds okay. Anyway, the bride at this precise moment, she's a little agitated with me because I went in the hot tub after a hard, you know, hard week of work. It's Dad works hard to provide for his family, you know, to put the bacon on the table. And, and daddy wanted to relax. So I'm in the hot tub. I'm just, I'm sucking down a cold one. I'm listening to some jams. I'm just trying to unwind. Bride comes outside and she says, what should we do for dinner tonight? The age old question, what should we do for dinner tonight? And I said, cause I'm just trying to chill. I said, I don't care, babe. Get whatever you want. I'm fine with it. That was the wrong answer because the correct answer is to close my eyes, leave my physical body, magically enter her headspace, figure out what the hell she wants to eat, and then say that thing out loud to her. And I knew that, but I said, I don't care. Whatever you want. I knew it. I fucked up. And she, so she got agitated. So now the weekend's going to be painful. I'll tell you what, man. If, if the bride, and I think this goes for a lot of women, if, if she took all the time and effort and energy, she puts into the question, where should we eat tonight into, I don't know, just like redirect that energy into something important, like figuring out how Donald Trump gets that comb over to stay in place or figuring out why Joni and Chachi broke up or I don't know, figure out the, the Jews and the Arabs conflict. Why can't they get along? If she put that energy into, where should we eat tonight, into one of those things, we'd all have perfect comb-overs. Joni and Chachi would have a dozen babies and there would be peace in the Middle East right now. Seriously. So, okay. Last week, we touched on that super-duper touchy subject, abortion. And I had a week to think about my position. I'm not going to go through my position again, but I had a, a week to think about it and I have recalculated I've decided I'm now pro-choice until the fetus gets a job. You know, until, until fetuses or fetus eye or feti, I don't know what you call plural of a fetus, but whatever that is, I think abortion is okay until the feti get a job. You know, we spent last week, we spent a few days in beautiful Big Bear, Big Bear Lake, California, just gorgeous for my wife's birthday. Wasn't cheap. Nothing in this godforsaken state is cheap. And Big Bear's it's stunningly beautiful, stunning. You know, we here in California, you know, I can I can complain about the politics of California, but we've got Yosemite, we've got Big Sur, we've got Big Bear. And I've been in 47 of our 50 states and I've been to all but two continents, and I can tell you that those three places are as gorgeous as Anywhere in the world, this is a beautiful state. It's a big, beautiful lake with giant boulders to climb on and and a gorgeous lake to to jump in and just soak it all in. Um, you know, if you're watching right now on YouTube, here's a shot of the lake. Check it out, it's gorgeous. Oopsie, see how'd that second picture get in there? How'd that picture of that gorgeous man with all them bumps, rock climbing and big bear get in there? Total accident. I'm sorry. Anyway, as you can see, it's stunning them bumps and the man and the lake. It was tremendous. It was a tremendous trip. We had fresh air. We had nature, cool temperature. But all I got from those kids during the hiking was whining, just whining on the whole trip. Why do we have to go hiking today? Oh, we're going to go ziplining fun. Why do we have to hike a half a mile to get to the zip lining? You know, you're, you're a good dad. You work hard. You're a good husband. And you, and you work hard to save money to treat the family on the bride's birthday. And we treat our kids frequently. You empty out the money out of your pockets and and the kids fill those pockets back up with whining and hot air and it's annoying. So I say abortions until they get jobs. Then when they get jobs, you know, then they can take their elderly parents, us, somewhere and let us whine about all their selections of what we're doing with their money. How about that? That's the law. That's the new law in, in the Nation of the Dad Presents. Now, I tell the bride all the time, dude, and yes, I call my wife, dude, sometimes it depends on the mood, dude, our kids are spoiled and they are, they're spoiled and it's not their fault. It's not, it's our fault. Our kids are growing up in a place where it's 70 degrees and sunny, like eight out of every 10 days. You know, they can walk out their back door right now and see the ocean. They can look at the ocean. They have access to every fun activity on earth and daddy works hard and, and they, they're not exactly growing up poor. You know, we're not, we're not wealthy, but we ain't poor. We have stuff. And most moms, especially moms who grew up in third world countries like my wife, they want to give their babies everything they never had. And that's natural. Moms want to spoil their babies. Moms want to give their babies everything. It's in their nature. It's natural. They want to spoil them, but they don't want them to be spoiled. You see the you see the impossibility of that situation. They want to spoil them. They want to give them everything, but they don't want spoiled kids. It's impossible. So, you know, everyone who is blessed wants their kids to understand, "Hey kids, you are blessed." You know, we have blessed kids. We want them to get that they are blessed. But the reality of the situation is it's impossible for a kid to truly grasp that they are blessed because they have no perspective. All they know is what they've lived. And they've lived, I hate to say it, they've lived a privileged life. And it's not because they're white, half white, whatever percentage white they are. It's because they aren't poor. That's the real privilege in not being poor. Now, you can talk circles to your kids about how lucky they are and how kids are starving right now in downtown Los Angeles. You can even drive them out there to see it. And you can talk to them about how lots of kids grow up in houses where they can't afford toys, let alone vacations to Big Bear. But it doesn't matter. Those are just, they're they're just words. Kids only know what they know from what they've lived. And if they've never had hard times, if they've never experienced, uh, trauma, they have nothing to compare it to. And that right there is the reason why most trust fund babies turn out to be self-centered assholes. It's really not their fault. They just have, they grew up with nothing to compare it to. And they really don't get it until they get older. And by that time, their personality is already formed and they're a-holes. So we're not raising trust fund babies, but we are raising privileged kids. So I do my best to, to like to like uh, create some hard times for them, right? You got to generate hard times. You got to teach them to overcome and grind a little bit, but then they whine. So you're kind of damned if you do and damned if you don't. But I'm going to keep pushing my kids. I'm going to keep creating hard things for them to do because I don't want soft babies. And you know, there's a saying, and I'm sure you've heard it, and I definitely said it on the show before. There's a saying about history and it goes like this hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men. Weak men create hard times. And that expression about history is so freaking true. And we're entering this era of weak men create hard times, right? Like the 80s, the 90s, so great, great time to grow up. I mean, sure, there were, we had our problems too. And Kurt Cobain was very sad and shot himself because was, life was so hard and everything. You know, no no generation is perfect, but we had, we had a good childhood. Um, and the generation before us, they had a very good childhood. Like the, 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 the boomers coming out of World War II, that might have been the golden era, like the 50s, the 60s, the 70s. That might have been the best time. The boomers are a little bit soft. Boomers are a little bit soft. And the boomers have been in control for a while, the boomers and and somewhat Gen X. And we've had good times and good times have created soft men. And now we're about to get some hard times, right? But that, that whole philosophy, that whole cycle of the world also applies to raising kids. If your kids have a rough childhood, it's either going to destroy them or it's going to make them very durable and tough. If you look at most people who have gone on to do amazing things in the world, most of them have have had to overcome some hurdles in life. Most of them did not have it gifted to them. But if your kid has this super awesome, great childhood, I'm sorry, they're going to be a little bit soft. So the best I can do for my children, because you don't want to take away from them. You want to give them. That's why you work hard. You want to provide for your children. And we do, but we also have to generate some hard times in there. They got to do chores. They have to be physically active. They have to exercise every day. They have to learn to endure some actual physical pain. Um, they get their feelings hurt. They have to deal with it. Like You can't just like put them on your tit every time. You got to create some hurdles. If your kids have a good life, you have to generate some hurdles for them to overcome. And that's why I say sometimes, and people think this is crazy, friends think this is crazy, when I say bullies serve a purpose for society. I'm grateful for the bullies I grew up with. I really am. It made me tougher because I had a great childhood, but I got bullied, which was not great. And that made me tough as fuck. I'm tough as fuck. Guys look at me. Tough as fuck. I'm 49. Look at it. Look at look at me. Tough. That's just the truth. I'm tough. That's cause I got bullied. That's my belief anyway. Anyway, personally here, I am dead center right now, May and June, in the middle of the gauntlet. I call May and June the gauntlet of death, and I'm going to have to start whispering because I know the bride's in the next room, and I don't want to get in trouble because that's the gauntlet of death. So in this house in May and June, we've got Mother's Day. We've got the bride's birthday. Then we got my birthday. That's today, by the way. We got my nine-year-old's birthday, we got our anniversary, and we got Father's Day. All in six weeks in May and June, it's it's just a minefield of potential trouble for me to get into. And my only goal, legit, my only goal is to get to July without catching holy hell. That's my only goal every year. Get me, dear God, dear universe, get me from May to July without ruining my life. That's all I want. Last year, I failed. I failed miserably. We had the biggest fight we've had in quite some time because I, I tripped up on the night. I made it through to birthday, Mother's Day, all that. I tripped up on the nine-year-old's birthday. And we won't get into what happened because it doesn't matter. But I overcame that. Some adversity, hard times create strong men. And now this year, I'm back bigger and stronger than ever. And this year, I fucking nailed Mother's Day. Knocked it right out the park. Lobster dinner, a gold locket with with her kids Baby pictures and she loved it. Got her all weepy and all that. And next up, you know, I I thought I nailed it with the birthday. Thought I nailed it. Took the family to Big Bear. We went uh, zip lining. Took in some sights. We went out for dinner. It was wonderful. It was a great trip. But then late at night, sitting by the fire on the last night, as the clock was about to expire, and I was thinking, I'm home free, man. I let my guard down. She tripped me up, and I took a landmine to the face. Pow! Bam! Bam! The lesson there is, don't let your guard down, man. Never. But luckily, as I just mentioned, this weekend's my birthday. Today's my birthday. Yay! I'm older today. Yay! Now, typically, I can get through my birthday unscathed. That one's usually a gimme, but not always. Because there's no guarantees when you run the gauntlet. And we may have hit a snag here. I may be getting in trouble later tonight, so let me tell you about it. There's some dumb PTA event to, to raise money for our kids' school because our outrageous property taxes apparently aren't enough money for books and whatever. So we have to go to these stupid events that are like 150 bucks a head. There's dumb. Now, look, I didn't want to go. And, the, and I'm not being forced to go. I was asked about it, but all our friends are going and I knew what the right answer is. So I gave the right answer. So I'm not being forced, but I'm being forced a little bit. But whatever, it's great because, you know, if you would have asked me, what do I want to do on my birthday, you'd think I'd say something like, you know, go hunting with my sons or go to an NBA game or or have an amazing threesome with, with my wife and and a hired hand. But you'd be wrong. That is not what I would be thinking. That is not what I want to do on my birthday. What I would say is that I wanted to go to a PTA fundraiser, you know? That's what I want, but it's my birthday, so let's really do it up. Before the fund might raise her, you know, maybe it'd be fun to walk through some open houses of homes we're never going to buy, you know, just shop around a little in the neighborhood. And then maybe after that awesome time, we could stop in at my mother-in-law's house to talk about all our ailments. That would be cool. And, you know, after that, If we still have time before the fundraiser, you know, maybe we just, you know, swing on over to Redondo Beach Pier so I can lather myself up in fish guts and throw myself in. Feed the sharks. That'd be a great birthday. So anyway, you know, she asked and I said, of course, yes, let's go. It's fine. Truth is, she's the best. And that is the truth. She's the best. I'm the worst. She's the best. And that is the truth. She's the best. So she wants to go to this PTA event, so I'm going to the PTA event for my birthday later tonight, and I'm not super happy about it, but catch this. The event is a Hawaiian luau theme, so Daddy's going to have some fun. Daddy got himself a cheap plastic grass skirt and some cheap plastic coconut titties, and that's what I'm wearing to this luau for the PTA. She's probably not going to like it, and those PTA ladies probably won't like it either. And here it is right here. There's my outfit. Actually, let's get real. The PTA ladies are probably going to be falling in love. There's going to be a little fireworks tonight when I show up in my plastic coconut titties. Unless they're transphobic or something. You know, California, a lot of transphobes out here. So anyway, we got back from vacation. We got three weeks at home before we're going on the next vacation. We're going to Pennsylvania so I can spend three weeks with my family and, and my my kids can hang out with their cousins for three weeks. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be wonderful. We're going to be there for my son's birthday, anniversary, Father's Day, all that. So it, it might be touch and go. But here's the funny thing. We return from Big Bear. We're home for just two, three weeks. And during that time, every day, she's tagging me on Instagram for these beautiful vacations in the Grecian islands and Hawaii and all this stuff on Instagram, tagging me on these things. You know, And I know what the implication is. So look, if you bump into the dad out on the streets, if you, if you happen to bump into the dad out on the streets, just do me a solid. Introduce yourself. I'm always up for making new friends. Make yourself friendly. Invite me to go fishing or something with you. You know, I'm not, I'm not a big fisherman, but I like to get out on the water. Rent us a boat. Take me out in the water. And when I'm looking off into the distance, admiring the scenery, just 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 pull out an, an oar. Crack me in the back of the head. Maybe use the anchor. Just smash me in the back of the head. Dump me in the water. Leave me. And when you get back, when you get back to town, you know, you'd be doing me a favor. So I'm saying when you get back to town, you see on the news that I'm I'm missing and you know that you were the last person seen with me. All you got to do is tell everyone that a shark attacked the boat and I jumped in the water to fight the shark to save you. I come out looking like a hero. I'm dead. So I don't have to worry about coming up with the money to go to the Grecian Islands or Hawaii or, you know, everywhere else. You'd be doing me a favor you get off scot-free, the bride's now single, she's an attractive lady, hit her up, opportunity there for you. Look, man, if people would believe you about this, because the dad has a shark fighting history, that's a true story. And I don't know if I've talked about it on this show before, but hey, why not? It's my birthday, I'm going to talk about what I want today. So, 2002, we were in Belize. We go on a lot of trips, I don't know if I've mentioned that. We're in Belize, and... uh Maybe it's 2004, I'm not sure. No, wait, we have a kid already. It's about 2012, okay. Now, anyway, when daddy is around wildlife, I tend to get a little excited. I do, I don't know what it is about wildlife, but it gets me hot and bothered, like nature and seeing wild animals, I just, I lose my shit, I lose my cool, I really do. I I mean, I've been known to approach a wild bear to get pictures, like I've been feet away from a bear to get pictures. I entered into a tug of war with a wild crocodile over, I, I tied a, uh, a chicken to a rope, dead chicken, threw it in the lake to fish for a crocodile, and then attempted to pull a crocodile out of the water. I lost crocodile one, got the chicken. I get excited with the wildlife. I think nature's amazing. So anyway, we're in Belize, let's say 2000, two, actually probably about 2014, 2015, not that long ago. I was old enough to know better. Um, and we're headed out for some snorkeling and my brother-in-law, he's on this trip with us. My brother-in-law who may or may not actually be one of the top mafia bosses in California and a man who the literal godfather of Vegas may or may not have been my brother-in-law's best man at his wedding at 89 years of age. Two days after getting out of the hospital from a gunshot wound to the chest, and everyone at this wedding besides me may or may not have been strapped, and we may or may not have left pretty early because it was pretty scary. But that's not the story. The story is we're headed out on the boat. The brother-in-law, who may or may, may, may or may not be, when I said my wife, my firstborn, who's alive at that time, and my wife's sister, we're headed out on the boat. And I'm at one end of the boat ch- chatting away, and brother in law is at the other end of the boat, and I hear him yell, Shark! I don't know how you say shark with a thick Brooklyn accent. And daddy here, just I just sprung a coil in my head and lost my mind. And I instinctively, with, without thinking, no thought at all, I turn around, sprint towards the other end of the boat, and I leapt off the boat because I heard shark. So I'm in midair. And I I hear the brother-in-law behind me and he says, oh fuck, he's dead. Now, daddy here has been in Belize a few times and I've swum with the sharks in Belize and it's fun. And they're usually tiny little reef sharks, you know, like five, six footers that they're not going to hurt you, no big deal. And that's what I was expecting. I I think that's what, I don't know. I didn't really think it through, but I think that's what I thought I was expecting when he yelled shark. Um, However, midair, I look down and that's not what we're dealing with. What we're dealing with is a tiger shark and it's about nine, 10, 11, 12 feet big. So <laughs> daddy closes his eyes. I balled my fists together, put them out in front of me and I just drove my fist into the back of the shark. Now, luckily I glanced off the shark. The shark was scared and it took off because didn't know what the fuck hit him. How could it? Things are falling out of the sky, hitting this fucking poor shark. Or her, I, him or her. I don't know. I don't want to misgender the shark. The point is he or she took off. I got back in the boat. I was very scared. The not of the shark of the bride. Cause she didn't talk to me for about a month. Now my son Keller, he was on that trip. He's probably four. I don't know, which would make it like 2016. doesn't matter. Year doesn't matter, but he thought I was a badass and I was a badass, but I was in big trouble now. The point being, circling all the way back on that, you could do me a solid, murder me at sea, blame it on the sharks, and ain't nobody got to know the difference, okay? Maybe do it today before the PTA event, if you see me today. I'm kidding. Totally kidding. It's going to be fun. It really is going to be fun. It's going to be a good time. going to be with friends. We're going to party. I'm going to shock some people with my coconut titties. It'll be a good time. And the bride really is the best. I love her with all my heart and she's the best. Honey, if you're listening, you're the best. And I love the PTA. I'm just being funny. I'm a funny guy. Honestly, you know, here's the truth. Let me get a sip of coffee because it's early morning. Honestly, when it's my birthday, I just want to stay home. I know that makes me sound like an old Scrooge, but it's the truth. I don't like birthday attention. I just don't. I don't. And my whole life, people have given me a hard time about that. People make you feel guilty if you don't want to celebrate your birthday. Like they pity you like you're a loser or they make your birthday about them. Like, oh man, why don't you want to party with me on your birthday? Don't you love me? It's, it's, I don't know, man. It's not about you. It's not about you. I love you. I do want to party with you, but I don't, like celebrating birthdays because, like, you know, after around the age of 18, celebrating a birthday, it feels like the grown up version of getting a participation trophy. Like, what are we celebrating? I lived a whole year and didn't die. Big fucking deal. So did literally all of you and every other person who's still standing on this planet today. So I don't know. I, and I know that's a me problem. It's a me problem. And I don't have any problem with other people celebrating their birthdays by all means it's your day have a fucking party have a great time people need positive affirmations and birthdays are when they get that i guess i just don't want that kind of attention now don't get me don't get me wrong i the dad enjoys attention i do i mean obviously i'm putting myself out here like this it's just birthday attention i like i want to earn the attention and and if my birthday is really my day can't I just chill can I just chill do you have to make me feel bad about it but I'm going to a glorious PTA event dressed up as a cheap hula girl and I'll probably have a lot of fun and I'll probably get in trouble and that's wonderful it's all good and look if you happen to live around here and you're getting all butt hurt hearing about this and if you happen to be in the PTA at our kids school you know, Whatever, dude. Listen, Karen, unpucker your butthole and suck it up. You're going to have to deal with me wearing a fake grass skirt at your precious event. That's what you get for making my kids study from home for a full year and then masking him up for two and a half years. Yeah, man. Our kids are masked up again. You believe that? They're wearing masks again. It's just fucking bonkers um I guess this podcast is is uh becoming a bit of a bitch session all about me. Nobody gives a fuck about me. Stop talking about you, me shut up just just stop it all right, let's talk about this show's sponsor expressvpn dot com slash the dad uh hey, look, you need a vPN to block your i p address so creepy ass Uncle Sam. Can't follow you around in the deep, dark internet while you're like on Instagram watching girls shaking their booties. Because the next thing you know, Google's going to be selling that info to advertisers and then you're going to be on the couch scrolling and the wife is going to wonder why you have a constant barrage of Victoria's Secret ads all day long on your feed and that's going to be trouble. So go to expressvpn.com dad for three free months. If you don't like it, cancel before month number four. No big deal. You don't pay a dime support our sponsor. Support the sponsor. That supports us. Thank you very much. So let's like get on with the show and actually do a show and get into some news. I'm sorry I made the the first half of the show all about me, but whatever. It's my birthday. It's about me. So we're entering entering a recession, guys. We're in a recession right now. It's the first recession since 2008. And this one's going to be worse. This one's going to be much worse, depending on whether government decides to do the right thing and let us endure the pain of the recession, or if they try to re-inflate the bubble by lowering interest rates and doing another stimulus. Anyway, given our present reality, it's a good time to remind everyone of how, back in 2008, our fascist elite used the government to create a bubble and enrich themselves. And then, when the real estate bubble popped, what they do? What did they do? They bailed themselves out on your tax time, spent $800 billion to give themselves money that you're going to have to pay, which is going to lead to the inflation that we're having now, while the a majority of the American population lost 40% of their wealth from 2008 to 2010 during that recession. 40%. Now, if you're middle class and you lose 40%, you probably lost your house, okay? Then they used your tax dollars that they gave to themselves to repurchase your house, and other assets that you lost at record low prices so that they could sell them back to you five, 10 years later when you recover. And that's exactly what happened. So they, they create a bubble with bad policy. The, they get rich on that bubble. The bubble pops. They give themselves money that you have to pay for. Then they buy up everything that you lost so they can sell it back to you and get even richer. This is how we create a wealth gap. And after all that, like after knowing what happened and how it happened, did you honestly think that wasn't going to happen again? Really? I mean, I've, I've been talking about this for a decade now. It was if you don't if you don't follow Peter Schiff, he's been talking about this for a decade, and he's the guy who predicted the last one. Now, Peter Schiff hates the Bitcoin. He's a bit of a dinosaur. He likes gold instead, but he likes gold for the same reason we like Bitcoin. Point is. People with any common sense saw this coming. People who understand an economy at all saw this coming. Now they make the rules. They make the rules and that bubble, the bubble cycle is wonderful for them. They get rich when it's going up. They get rich when it's going down. They get rich when it goes back up. So why wouldn't they do it again, dummies? And yeah, some of you shits started to catch on to their scam and you Started lining up on Wall Street chanting, we are the 99%. And I got involved in that. What was that? That was 2008-ish, right? It was right after the crash. We are the 99%. I got involved with that. I also got involved with uh, the Tea Party movement to lower taxes. I I might be the only person in the country who was at, we are the 99%, occupy Wall Street protests and Tea Party protests. Because they were both right, even though they hated each other. Anyway, Wall Street saw that. Wall Street saw, hey these people they're catching on wall street's biggest fear is americans uniting against them and and directing their anger and hatred at them because we outnumber them that's what 99 percent to 1 is all about and, and we were literally standing outside their windows threatening them so we're onto their game so what did they do at that point let's let's really think about this so you can truly understand how we got to where we are right now with identity politics What did they do when they realized we were onto them? Well, they regrouped and decided the best thing to do would be to divide the country with identity politics and get these people in the crowd hating each other instead of hating them. Hey, you guys. Hey, you guys. I know you're mad at us here on on Wall Street, us fat cats who've been stealing your money, but look across the street. There's a racist over there. Hey, you guys. I know you're mad at us. We've been stealing all your money. We took your home, but look over there. There's a weird liberal who wants to turn your kid into a trans lady. You guys should talk about that. Wall Street got scared. Then Wall Street outsmarted you. They turned you against each other using identity politics. This is not an opinion. It's a fact. You can Google search words used in the media. And before 2008, the words racism and sexism were almost never uttered by the mainstream media. Almost non-existent. Was there less racism and sexism then? I don't know, but they didn't talk about it. And the word trans was pretty much not even a thing in 2008. However, beginning 2008, beginning with the the onset of Occupy Wall Street, those words exploded onto the scene. It wasn't like a, a little bit of a ramp up. It wasn't like one mention per month of racism per month in 2007 to two in 2008 to three and so on. It was like one a month. To 100 a month. They just exploded. Not a coincidence. And as I've been saying to you as far back from, you know, like 2011 with my website, Naked Word Surfer, and in my books, go buy my books on Amazon. Just just search J. Matthew Nespley. You'll find them. Buy my books, guys. They're good books. As I've been talking about on the website, through the books, the Facebook page that Dad presents, this show, The Rich Elite. Who are they? That's Wall Street, the media, Hollywood, our politicians. They keep us fighting with each other while they rob us blind, keeping us distracted so we don't take the fight to them. They've been doing it forever and y'all keep falling for it. Corporate America, the left used to hate corporate America. Corporate America literally bought off the left by pretending to side with them in this identity politics battle. You know, Budweiser, they give you a rainbow colored beer can. J.P. Morgan Chase will run afloat at the gay pride parade. Nike h- hires Colin Kaepernick as the face of the, the company. None of these things amount to anything. And the important thing is none of these things cost them anything. They bought you off with rainbows and bullshit that doesn't cost them anything. And they've got you hating the right because of inequality when they are the ones who created the inequality. And now because you hate the right so much and they hate you back, suddenly no one's paying any more attention to the banks and federal reserve while they manipulate the currency and steal from you again. You've been fooled. And now we just had this mass shooting in Buffalo, right? And it had a racial component to it. The guy had the N word on his gun. He was obvious racist. And that's gross. That's disgusting. It's gross. However, uh-oh, did I just lose audio? I hope not. I, I hate when that happens. I got to re-record over. We're just going to steamroll. We'll see what happens at the end. Anyway, that's disgusting. But in the past four years, we've had a good many examples of racially motivated mass murder. But these weren't white on black like this one. So they were useless to the elite's narrative you know, in Washuka or whatever that city is in Wisconsin, where the the black nationalist who was ranting on Facebook about killing whites, got in a car, drove through a parade and killed whites. They didn't even touch that story because it's not useful to them because what they want to do is create this racial divide to divide us more. And it does divide us more and it does lead to more violence. They literally manifest our reality of hating each other. January 6th, and Buffalo were gifts to them. Violent events that they can now use to pit us against each other and take away our rights. They successfully divided us, which was their intent, and now they're stripping us of our liberties, and they justify it all as being for our protection. I mean, that sounds familiar, right? Like they robbed us of our liberties after 9 11, they created the Department of Homeland Security and the Patriot Act. And they did it to protect you. And back then when they did it, conservatives were the dummies falling for it. Then they robbed us of our freedoms during COVID. And they did it to protect you. And all the liberals bought it. And now they're robbing us of our freedoms and they're doing it to protect us from racists. Everybody's racist. It's getting dangerous, guys. And I mean, that is getting dangerous in the streets and it's getting dangerous what they're doing to us. And there's going to come a point in time in this country when these elites will push Americans too far. And I don't know what that point is. And we obviously have not hit it yet. I just hope that when we get there, I hope when we get there, when people are finally ready to push back, that we aren't too far gone to do anything about it. Hang on one second. I'll be right back. All right, I'm back. Hang on. I had to, had to tinkle. Getting older, you know? Getting older, bladder just won't hold up for a full show. Um, yeah, I hope we're not too far gone to do something about it when Americans finally get pushed to their breaking point. And pushing back, as we've learned this week and weeks before and in the past couple years, pushing back does actually make a difference. The squeaky, whiny, annoying prick gets the oil. Something like that. Just look at the changes Black Lives Matter made. Hate them all you want, and I do, and that communist organization disguised as a pro-black organization should be hated, but they were effective. They got shit done, and they got shit changed. They made noise, and they changed America. More recently, and more positive, look at the changes that the truckers in Canada made. They made big sacrifices in the name of liberty, And the entire COVID narrative began to crumble because of their heroic sacrifices. It was beautiful. And now even more recently, this past week, Biden's ministry of truth has been shut down at least for now. That's right, man. Celebrate, man. Celebrate. We discussed the department of disinformation every week for the last few weeks. And last week I mentioned that we would continue to talk about it every week until it was defeated. It's been defeated at least for now. Now, I'm not delusional enough to think that's because of this show. You know, I'd like to think we played a small part, but I don't know. But there's dozens of shows like this one. There's dozens There's, there's dozens of shows like this very one doing the same thing, speaking a, a message of liberty, and you combine all of that noise, and then you get some big dogs like Tucker in there making noise about it, and it made a difference. Now, of course, the Biden administration and, and the truth, the truth czar that he appointed Nina Yankmaysvitz or whatever her name is, um, they're going to blame the shu- they're going to blame the shutdown of this department on you know right wing racist disinformation. Brilliant! The disinformation board was shut down by disinformation. Amazing! And since the 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 Department of Justice Ministry of Truth can't now kill free speech, at least for now. Like I said, I think they're going to bring it back. But now what are they doing? They're going to pivot. So they tried to kill free speech by by calling Joe Rogan racist and getting him off Spotify didn't work. They tried to kill free speech with the Department of Truth doesn't work. Now this is real and this is scary. They're entering into talks with the global World Health Organization treaty that would give the World Health Organization the power to declare a state of emergency for a pandemic and dictate the appropriate response here in America. The World Health Organization, which we all know is basically run by China, would be in charge of declaring a pandemic in America and the response. It would include things like and this is I'm I'm reading this, this would include digital passports and you guessed it, fighting disinformation on the internet. Yikes. Now, we just got a big win. We just got a big win with the Department of Homeland Security and getting rid of Nina Yankmeishvitz and the Department of Truth. So I'm not going to dwell on this terrifying news just yet. But it is terrifying, and it deserves our attention, and we will give it our attention. But for just a brief moment, I want to just chill and celebrate the victory we just had for free speech. Woo! Have you been paying attention to the baby formula situation? It's fucking wild, right? America is running out of baby formula. Fucking Putin, let me drink some more coffee. Uh, okay, check this out. We are running out of baby formula. We're running out of baby formula, a pretty basic and important thing. Bye continue to find empty shelves. One data tracking agency reports 45% of baby formula products across the United States were out of stock at some point last week.
1: As we've been telling you, the shortage stems from the shutdown at that Abbott plant in Michigan, severely disrupting the supply chain since Abbott is just one of four companies controlling most of the U.S. market. And now lawmakers on both sides of the aisle want that to change. What we should be doing is blaming the system while we allow the monopoly to occur. Why this has happened? We've got a major issue here. Uh, you know, we've got families across the country that are really struggling. I mean, there is not an alternative mm-hmm. uh, to this. So this is a, a critical. Um, I mean, it's it, it's a crisis right now.
0: Now, the, the truth is, this would not happen if American businesses operated in a free market. There's only four baby formula companies in America, and like nearly every other industry, what happens is a successful business starts to lobby government to wipe out the competition and create big-time barriers to entrance. That's what we have here. So so then that company gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and the little guy goes out of business. So on top of that, then you have government putting small, literally putting small businesses out of business during the lockdown. And then on top of that, you have government putting one of these big four out of business for some violations. They, they, there was some FDA violation. Apparently, two babies died. I, don't, I haven't looked into it. I don't know if that's true or if the babies died of something else. I don't know. But what I know is they shut them down in like December. So now we only have three companies making baby formula. And since December, they've not done a GD thing about it. So we got a shortage on our hand. And I also know that Mexico and Canada are not having this same problem. There's plenty of baby formula in the world and we could be stocking our shelves with it. You know, if if you have a baby at home and your town's out of formula and your titties don't work no more, go on Amazon. Do me a favor, go on Amazon, change your address to Canada and suddenly you're going to see dozens of formula companies appearing. There's formula out the wazoo if you live in Canada. Why is that? Now try to order the, the formula and have it delivered to your house here in America. Guess what? Can't do it. Why? Because those baby formula companies are not FDA approved by the government, so it's illegal, again, to protect you. They're going to kill your baby to protect your baby. Do you see how fucking retarded the government is? This is a crisis created entirely by government. And I, I don't want to hear nonsense from lefties who are, who are trying to defend the Biden administration talking about, Man, it's healthier for babies to breastfeed. Yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah, it's healthier. But guess what? Not all women have healthy titties. They can't all do it. The bride's right titty literally blew up in 2012. Literally exploded. Literally, like exploded. It filled up with milk. Milk wouldn't come out. And not the greatest, you know, those those machines that suck it. I forget what you call them. The most powerful one in the world couldn't get the milk out of there. The second most powerful one in the world, the dad. Dad's got some suction. He's got some pipes. Couldn't get it out. We went to breastfeeding clinics. Juju put cabbage on there. Hot baths, massages, everything. Nothing could get the milk out the titty. Her boob got bigger and bigger and bigger. It was literally about four times the size of the left one. And for a while, that was fun. But then it started getting black and blue. So we went to the ER. Doctor took a scalpel and went right under the nipple, sliced it open. He sliced right under that leathery nipple. My wife used to have the cutest pink. Yeah, I'm giving you too much information, but he sliced it. and Blood and milk and pus exploded out of her boob, all over the place. Hit me in the face. That's a true story. So, no, some babies need formula or they're gonna die. And the baby food shortage, it's just the beginning, man. Food shortages, they're gonna come next. They're gonna be here by winter. That's my prediction. Hyperinflation is gonna be coming, and the cost of goods is gonna keep going up. Then what are you gonna get? You're gonna get government price controls because that's that's just how government operates. They're going to say, these corporations are gouging you and they're going to put price controls on. Then what's going to happen? Businesses are going to start laying people off. Uh, you're going to have less goods produced. Businesses are going to go out of business. You're going to have stagflation. You're going to have massive unemployment. You're going to have chaos in the streets. And I hope you're prepared. And that's what's going to happen. Now, you listen to this show. You love the dad. So I'm guessing you are a little bit prepared because we've been talking about this since they announced the first round of bailouts two years ago. This has been inevitable since 2008 and it's, it's been double inevitable since the bailouts. And man, desperate people, they do desperate things. You know, if my baby, my baby was starving, if my baby couldn't get any formula, there's not a single thing I wouldn't have done back in 2012 to get them fed. You kidding me? Not a freaking thing. And there's thousands of parents out there like that. Farms don't have enough fertilizers. You know that? Fertili- there's a fertilizer shortage. And many farms have already gone out of business for other reasons. Lockdown reasons, uh, being regulated out of business. Uh, inflation has put them out of business. So what happens when, when you don't have enough farms producing enough goods for enough people who aren't working? Now, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. I don't. But I'm a realist. I'm I'm logical. In every government move the fed has made since 2008 has contributed to this reality. And I know you guys want to blame it on Biden. I know you do. That doddering old dumb fool, he's he's hateable. But I really don't even think that Biden's bad decisions and he's made terrible decisions. I don't think they've fully factored into the inflation just yet. I think this inflation has is still a result of everything we saw from 2008 through the Trump presidency. Most of this inflation is the result of the bailouts in 2008, artificially low interest rates for a decade, and then the lockdowns and the $13 trillion in spending during COVID from the Trump administration. We've not even felt the pains of Biden's shitty decisions yet. That's how much worse this is going to get. Now, I'm not, I'm not a financial expert, okay? Let's be clear about that. But I understand how an economy works. Okay? I understand how government fails. Government always fails. And there's only four ways this thing can go at this moment. There's only four ways. There's not a fifth way. Okay, I'm going to give you the four ways and you tell me what you think is going to happen. So number one is the Fed could raise interest rates to 10% or more. If you raise interest rates above the perceived rate of inflation, it causes people to save their money, borrow less money, it pulls money out of the economy, and that stops inflation but doing that would cause a depression. We will have a depression. The stock market will crash. Housing prices will crash. There will be a lot of suffering. It will wipe out all the malinvestment and then the country can go back to responsible monetary policy after that. Might take a decade. Doesn't matter. Never gonna happen because no president is gonna make that decision because no president wants to be blamed for a depression. So that might be necessary, but it's not gonna happen. Not gonna happen. Second thing is, this is what we should do, cut government spending by about 90%. Best solution. Government right now, government spending right now is 44% of GDP, gross domestic product. That is insane. Government doesn't produce any goods. So all of this spending, 44%, it's fake economic spending. And we don't even have the money to spend. So what do they do? They just, they print it and they sell bonds that they buy back themselves. That produces nothing. It's fake money. That is your inflation. The printing of money is what inflation is. Inflation causes prices to go up, but what inflation actually is, is inflating, injecting money into the economy. So did you know that 100 years ago, before the creation of the Federal Reserve and the IRS, government spending was 8% of GDP? And at that time, we had a a much smaller overall economy, 8% of a small economy compared to now... 44% 44% of a massive economy. So c- cutting government spending is, is the real way to fix this now and going forward. And we could possibly even af- avoid a depression if we did that. But we're not going to do that because that would involve cutting Medicare and Social Security and the military. And that's a political loser. No politician is going to do that. So one and two, the best two options, they're out. Where does that leave us? Two other options. Number three, the Fed stays the course with these very minor 2% rate increases they've planned. 2%. They're raising interest rates by 2%. They've not even done it yet. They're planning. I think they did like a quarter point or a half point so far, but they're planning 2%. And just planning it has crashed the stock market and it's about to crash the housing market. But that's not going to do anything to curb inflation. If borrowing money costs 2%, but the cost of goods is going up by 10 to 20%, you're going to still borrow money and put it into the economy because it's cheaper to borrow money than it is to keep money. So it's not going to do anything. So if we stay the current course, we're going to go into a recession. A fourth thing they could do is circle back on this decision to raise interest rates by 2%. take it back and say, nah, this is too dangerous to the economy. And they're going to reinflate the bubble. They lower interest rates back down to zero and do another round of stimulus and maybe some price controls on top of it. And all the other kind of economic tricks that they do that happen before an economy completely fails. If they pull the interest rates back down to zero where they've been for a decade and they do another round of bailouts for everybody so people can afford gas and food, that's going to fix the economy for a little bit. But fixes the wrong work. That's going to pump up the economy for a little bit. We'll get another five, 10 years of partying one last hurrah. that will be the time during that five, 10 years, buy some assets, hold on to them for about five years and then sell them. Cause this baby going to go boom. That's the doomsday scenario. Inflate it one more time, get five, 10 years out of it. Maybe 15. I don't know. And then we have doomsday. I don't think they can inflate it two more times. I don't think it's possible. And, um, So those are your four options. And given our government's history and understanding politics, I'm betting on number four. I'm betting on number four. Okay. Like I said, they should cut government spending, but they're not. So I'm betting on number four. And this is the reason I'm so bullish on Bitcoin, right? Because eventually people are going to catch on and realize that the US dollar is about to fail. We're going to have hyperinflation. So they're going to go to other assets. I believe that asset will be Bitcoin, but the government might try to destroy Bitcoin. So I don't know what that leaves us with. Gold? Are people really going to go and start hiding gold in their backyard? Because the last time we went through this, guess what? Government confiscated your gold. I don't know, man. So the administration has no answers on this inflation problem. Just listen to Peter Ducey asking the new press secretary. You got a new press secretary. Leave that one alone. Her name is like uh, Ultimate Karen Jean-Claude Van Damme or something like that. I don't know her name is, but listen to Ducey ask her about inflation. Uh, The president's Twitter account posted the other day, you want to bring down inflation. Let's make sure the wealthiest corporations pay their fair share. Mm -hmm. How does raising taxes on corporations reduce inflation?
1: Um, so are you talking about a specific tweet?
0: He tweeted, you want to bring down inflation, let's make sure the wealthiest corporations pay their fair share.
1: Look, you know, we have talked about, um, we have talked about this this past year, uh, about, um, making sure that the wealthiest among us are paying their fair share. Um, and that is important to do, and uh, that is something that, uh, you know, the president has been, you know, working on uh, every day when we talk about inflation and lowering costs. And so it's very important uh, that, uh, you know, as we're seeing costs rise, uh, as we're talking about how to, you know, uh, you know build a, a, a America that's safe, that's equal for everyone and doesn't leave everyone behind, that is an important part uh, of that as well. But how does...
0: Raising taxes on corporations lower the cost of gas, the cost of a used car, the cost of food for everyday Americans.
1: So look, I think we encourage those who have done very well Right. Especially those who care about climate change, uh, to support a fair tax code that doesn't change, that doesn't charge manufacturers, workers, cops, builders, a higher percentage of their earnings that the most fortunate people in our nation and not let this, this, that stand in the way of reducing energy costs and fighting this existential problem. If you think about that as an example and to support basic collective bargaining rights as well, right? That's also important. But, Look, it is, you know, by not, without having a fairer tax code, which is what I'm talking about, then all, every like manufacturing workers, cops, you know, it's not fair for them to have to pay higher taxes than the folks that, who are, who are, who are not paying taxes at all. What?
0: That's amazing. She basically dodged the question, um, how does taxing the rich lower inflation? Dodged the question completely. He presses and then she pivots to talking about how raising taxes is going to fix global warming. All right. Not related. And I don't know how that happens either. But look, man, either this new lady's a tard or the White House just isn't even trying anymore. Like, at least be prepared with one answer to your bullshit. These people are destroying the country, and they don't care. Not only do they not, that was a weird noise. I'm sorry. Let me clear my throat. Not only do they not care, destroying the economy might be their entire plan. Klaus Schwab's Great Reset its starting to look more and more like reality. Call me a conspiracy theorist. I don't care. It's not a conspiracy if the guy stands up there and writes a book called The Great Reset and tells you everything he's going to do and then does the things. Go read it. Read his book, man. I read a bit of it. Had to stop. Creeped me out too much. But it's happening. And just look, I mean, here's how you know, Tesla, right? Tesla was invented by Elon Musk because he wanted to reduce carbon emissions from cars to protect the environment. It's, this company has done more for emissions than any company on earth. If you love, if you're one of, if you're a global warming conspiracy theorist, if that's your main concern, you got to love Tesla, right? But guess what? They were just removed from the S&P 500. Why? Why? Is it because they're not a great company? No, it's because they gave them a low environmental grade in their ESG rating. And if you don't know what ESG ratings are, go look them up because it's scary as fuck. And basically the basic bare bones gist of it is if you don't do what government wants you to do, you can't do business in America or the world because this is all around the world now. So these people have no ethics. They don't care about the environment. Exxon is rated in the top 10 ESG scores for their environmental influence. They're top 10, Exxon. But Tesla gets kicked out of the S&P 500 for not having a good enough environmental grade. That's just bonkers. It makes no sense. You can't make that make sense. These people have no ethics or principles, and they're going to destroy anyone who gets in their way. Elon got in their way. They're going to destroy him. They're going to try to destroy him, just like they tried to destroy Rogan. Now they're going to try to destroy Elon. And if they can do that to those two guys, if they can take down Tucker Carlson, like they're trying to do right now for blaming him for what happened to Buffalo, they can take you down. They can take the dad down. Yeah, they're blaming, they're blaming the Buffalo shooting on Tucker Carlson. That's a real narrative. Tucker Carlson motivated this guy. What? Is Tucker to blame for that? No, of course not. That's fucking stupid. But what is Tucker to blame for? He's blame him for the same thing they blame Rogan for. He has an audience that is bigger than every single show on CNN combined. And they don't like that because CNN puts out state propaganda and Tucker and Rogan don't. So Tucker's got to be stopped. Look, if this show, if this show, we get 10,000, right? Combined from everything, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, all of it. We get 10,000. If we were getting a hundred thousand, they'd be coming after us harder. Yeah. We got banned on Twitter. We got banned on YouTube. they have come after us a little bit, but they're not calling us racist on the news. But if you get 100,000, you're going to get called racist on the news. That's how they stop people. It's literally the only weapon they have. They call people racist. Rogan is a racist. Elon's a racist. Tucker's a racist. It's the only weapon they have because they don't have ideas and they don't have the truth. And now they're using what happened in Buffalo to attack free speech. Since their ministry of truth failed to do so. And New York's unelected governor, Kathy Hochul, she said, in, right after the tragedy, she flew to Buffalo and she says, the ability for people to write and subscribe to philosophies filled with hate and white supremacist acts of terrorism have been fomented on social media. And every major social media platform needs to do everything they can to make sure hate speech is not spread. In other words, silencing speech. So what exactly is hate speech? What is hate speech? They don't really define it. Because it's already illegal to threaten someone or incite violence, you're going to be removed from a platform for that. You might even be arrested unless you're a lefty threatening someone they don't like, then that's perfectly fine. But if it's illegal to threaten someone, do we really need laws about hate speech? It's a pretty vague term and it's purposely vague because then they can use it however they want. And what hate speech really is, is when a conservative says anything negative about a Democrat. And notice I said about a Democrat and not about a liberal, because they will go just as hard after liberals. If a liberal steps out of line, they go after them harder than they go after conservatives. All the people I've already talked about are liberals. Elon, Rogan, Tulsi Gabbard, Glenn Greenwald. Those are liberals. And they're going to go after them if they disagree with the Democrats. That's what hate speech is disagreeing with the Democrat. So, They're coming after your first and second amendments. Those two amendments, they protect each other. First protects the second, second protects the first. And if they get those two amendments, fucking ball game, man. It's ball game for the America you grew up with. It's fucking ball game. Fat lady singing. And I'll tell you what, the singular position I've changed on in the last decade is gun rights. I've changed on that. And I'll admit it. I was wrong before. Now I'm right. Because look, I, I've, I have friends out here in California who, whom I've known for 20 years, and they're saying, man, nah, you used to be so liberal. When'd you become a conservative? And I'm like, no, man. No, I didn't change. I was always socially liberal and fiscally conservative, and I still am. You changed. And you changed because you don't actually have a goddamn principle. You just listen to whatever's popular and cool, whatever the state media puts out in Hollywood, and that's what you go with. You used to view me as a wacky liberal because in 2004, I was ranting that gays should be allowed to be married and marijuana should be legalized and all drugs should be decriminalized. And I still say those things, but you thought I was nuts. You thought I was nuts because I believe in liberty, but you didn't believe in those things because the Clintons and the Bidens disagreed with all of it. But then at some point it all got twisted and being pro-gay marriage and pro-marijuana rights became cool. And you flipped on those ideas because they were cool. Now, I still believe in those things. I also believe that if Jimmy Bob down the street wants to cut off his Jimmy Bob and go by the name Jane, well, that's his fucking business and he should be allowed to. It's all fine and it's all good. However, you now also believe that because that's the cool thing now, but you also believe because CNN tells you that you should believe and Hollywood tells you that you should believe it, that when Jimmy Bob wants to cut off his wing-wang, that the rest of us should have to pay for it. Or his corporate insurance should have to pay for it. But no, man, that's not liberty. That's forcing your ideas on someone else. Liberty is liberalism. And I'm taking that motherfucking word back. You're not a liberal. You're a tyrant. You want everyone to be forced to live under your ideas. And the thing is, you don't have any ideas. Because you will literally contradict yourself in a singular sentence. Abortion? My body, my choice, your shout. The COVID shot? I don't care if you don't want to take it. Just take it, dirtbag. Take it or lose your job. What? You're not a liberal, man. You're a tyrant. I'm a liberal. But yeah, I was wrong on gun laws. I used to believe in reasonable gun laws. Reasonable. Like I used to think that, yeah, maybe we shouldn't have AR-15s floating around society. What do we need them for? But that was before I realized how truly horrible our rulers are and what they actually want and why they want to take away our guns. Now, I've always hated government, always. I don't like being told what to do, but I didn't get how truly evil they were back in 2004. Now I get it. We should not give one inch on the guns issue, not an inch. And yeah, I also have always considered myself to be a fiscal conservative, I've always felt that lower taxes and smaller government and less spending are a healthy society. But guess what, guys? Republicans don't work for those things even right now. If you're voting for Republicans, you're not going to get smaller government. They will give you a little lip service and they might cut your taxes a teensy bit. But the Bush administration and the Trump administration expanded the size of government more than any Democrat, even Bush or Obama. Getting tongue tied, you get me worked up, man. Bush created the Homeland Security and the Patriot Act. The Trump administration spent $13 trillion on COVID. That's not conservative fiscalism or fiscal conservatism, whichever way you say it. I'm fiscally conservative. In fact, I'm radically fiscally conservative. I'm a radical fiscal conservative and a radical social liberal. I want the government to be shrunk down next to nothing. That's never gonna happen. It's never gonna happen because this behemoth is out of control. It can't government creates reasons for more government to exist. It's like you going when you go to a job and you're there for eight hours. <clears throat> there's only two hours of work to do. Well, you bullshit your way into eight hours. That's the nature of man. Government does the same thing. They have to justify their job and they want to grow their job and they want to get more money. So they invent more reasons to, to get more money, to get paid more money, to expand their power and scope. It's just nature. So you're not going to shrink government down. It's not going to happen. If we're not going to get rid of government, but I'd be happy to see us go back to 1911 and abolish the IRS and income tax and the Federal Reserve. Get rid of the Federal Reserve, get rid of income tax, get rid of the IRS, and we could get a libertarian in there who might do those things or at least attempt to. I would like to see government forced to survive on capital gains taxes alone. As a start. As a start. Force them to operate under a balanced budget. Don't let the federal get rid of the Federal Reserve so they can't print money and force them to survive on the taxes they raise from just capital gains. That's what I'd like to see happen instead of printing money that the middle class has to pay for through inflation. So yeah, I'm a radical conservative on finances. You, my Republican voting friend, you might think you're fiscally conservative, but you're not. You're not conservative one bit on the economy if you're voting for any Republican this side of Rand Paul or Thomas Massey. So I don't know. That's my message. I'm a liberal. You're not a liberal. I'm a conservative conservative you're not a conservative. When I say you, I don't mean my beautiful audience. You guys are good people. You're smart. I mean the collective you, society, the 90% of people who are voting for Democrats and Republicans. And yes, right now, Republicans are the better of those two options or the lesser of two evil, as we like to say. Uh, they're going to take us to hell on a, on a slightly slower pace than the Democrats, but we're going to hell either way. So get on the Liberty train. Choo-choo. All right. That's my message. Me and and all the libertarians that I've been rolling with, I'm going to the national convention next week. I'm going to be hanging with my boys. It's going to be a great time. Libertarians are more liberal than Democrats and more conservative than Republicans. That's the message. Get on the liberty train. All right. Republicans and Democrats, all they are is two separate groups of authoritarians who want to force the rest of the country to live under their rules and their massive expansion of government. Now, again, Yes, Republicans, if you're forcing me, I'm going with Republicans right now, but 15 years ago, the Republicans were way worse. And I'm guessing 10 years down the road, the power balance is going to shift in this country and Republicans are going to be worse again. Neither one of these are the answer. Why? Because power corrupts every single time. It always corrupts. The only solution is to not give power to a federal government who is not accountable for the crimes and mistakes. All right, I have a fat mouth and I'm going to shut up now because it's time to put on my coconut titties and go party with some PTA mommies. So I love you guys. Thank you for listening. Appreciate you. Come back next week. I'm going to try to get a guest for you. Love you.